0: Welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you for being here. Before we listen to my next guest, I want to ask that if you like the podcast, please subscribe to the channel and leave a positive review so we can grow this channel. I've been working really hard for you guys to grow by putting systems in place that bring on guests who are very valuable to you. And I'm just going to be honest, it hasn't been an easy ride. So I would certainly appreciate your support. Also, let me know your thoughts by texting me at 714-294-0269. Again, 714-294-0269. Last time, 714-294-0269 to ask about details and to receive future podcasts directly to your cell phone. Let's continue with the podcast.
1: Best test. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yeah. Okay. I guess we're doing video, huh? Yeah. Yeah. If you, okay. Can. I'm not looking so sexy yeah. today. I'd asked you if we were doing video. I never heard back from you. I figured it was a true. Podcast. Oh, that's you know,
0: right. it, it's, it's funny. Cause I had another, okay. So I had a, uh, I went through this um, review process with another company and right. the other company was named Jason and they said they didn't want to do a podcast, which doesn't happen very often. I was like, okay. And I saw that you were on the calendar. I was like, all right, Jason must not want to do a podcast. So no, then that's no. what I was like. <laughs> so uh, anyways, yeah. Um, Nope. Thanks for doing the podcast. With me.
1: Thanks for having me. And I, uh, had I known it would been video, I would have not wanted to ball cap and things of this nature. Dude, you look
0: fine. You look fine. Uh, have, you seen, no, have you seen the, you've seen the Joe Rogan podcast, I'm sure.
1: Well, that's a good point, man. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's, uh, <laughs> well, you see, you know, Elon Musk smoking dope in there and you figure that's a pretty casual environment, but that's California. <laughs> so, although you're from California. Heck, I'm from California. I'm not there in a minute, but if I'm not mistaken, you're out you're a California guy yourself, huh?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I grew up here. Um, you're in Nebraska, right? Right now.
1: A minute. Yeah, I actually literally have the uh, not that I'm I'm a true Nebraskan, but I I even have the add-on, <laughs> so you know it's uh, you know it's yeah. no joke. So, uh, but yeah, I miss California. It's 32 degrees with wind chill, it brings it down to 20. I mean, I'm I'm looking to get back to a place like that as soon as humanly possible.
0: So, Guys, <laughs> gotcha. uh, so I'm guessing you like California a little bit more.
1: Oh, I love it. You know, but I mean, honestly, as far as making a real estate acquisition here recently and as far as me doing what i need to do to get started i don't regret being here for a moment and actually there's some really nice things about it out here and so far as the people you know i'm sure you've been on the 405 freeway at 5:30, and oh, yeah. you know if you put your blinker on yeah. it's a sign for the person to speed up and to cut you off it's it's just that that environment where people start to hate other people because you put 10 million humans in a, in a tight little glass if you will and, and it creates animosity sure. towards others here you don't have that so that's one of the things I actually really like out here, but
0: there's more of a family familial kind of
1: feel. Yeah, there really is. It's that Midwestern kind of very cordial, very conservative, but warm, you know, people hold the door for you. It's the little things. And I, I, I do like that, but net net.
0: Nice. I I do like that too. Don't get me wrong. I love that.
1: But I like California Um, (laughs) at the end of the day, but anyway, it's
0: it's nice. You have beaches, you have great beaches and you you know, you bet. So Cool. All right. So I'm here with Jason, Jason Rogers, and uh, you own a brighter living properties. Yep. So, uh, really quick, you do it's commercial real estate, correct?
1: Yeah. We specialize actually in manufactured housing communities, which is the sexy way of basically saying mobile home parks, which are known to not be sexy. I chose that niche for a couple of reasons. One, we have an affordable housing crisis, in my opinion, in the United States right now. Two, I'm a huge believer in specializing. You know, I at my age of 28, no, I don't know too many things. So I figure I can learn one thing well and get better faster by specializing in a specific asset class under real estate. So that was part of the thesis for Better Living Properties, which I founded now about 14, 15 months ago.
0: Wow. Wow. This is interesting. Uh, You're only 28. That's crazy. I turned
1: 28.
0: So how many employees do you currently have right now?
1: Well, Employees is the wrong word. We have a, we have a large board. We actually don't have a high amount of employees. You know, real estate's pretty easy to run. Uh, I'd like to have a lot more employees. We have a board that consists of nine individuals, six are are true board members. The other three are advisory. They've been paramount because I did not, when I started this company, have a, a legal background, an accounting background, a real estate background, any of it, finance, None of it. I had none of that, and so they've been huge in so far as navigating those white collar profession, professional niches that that were and will continue to be relevant for fundraising and for structuring these types of things. So have, that's have you best. always have you
0: always been an entrepreneur, or it was this kind of your first venture?
1: I started a company in December of 2015, which, as my tax returns for that business would show, was not particularly successful. It was something of a lifestyle-friendly business. It was actually, my backstory real quickly, I'll just give you like the 60-second version, was uh, I was always a smart kid, was always awkward growing up. I was a valedictorian, actually gave a valedictorian speech at my community college, Santiago Canyon College for you as a Southern California fellow. That's in Irvine, I want to say, right there at the 241 when you're crossing over South County over. So I gave a really awkward valedictorian speech, got laughed at, went to UCLA, decided I'm not going to continue being a nerd. I'm gonna. Beef up my social skills because I need to. The best way I figured to do that as a 21 year old male was to talk to all the girls on the campus. Uh, the first okay. three months were super awkward. It got better. Uh, two years later, I was yeah. teaching guys to, to kind of do that whole thing. So I was not quite a pickup dating guy, but it was, you know, I was, I was definitely categorized kind of in that elk. Did that for a couple of years and that was fine. Not super profitable, but, but reasonable enough. And then realized I needed a bigger challenge and thought, all right, I'm going to go. Uh, start something that potentially could have some real legs as opposed to just really being a, a sole proprietorship, if you will. And then started Brighter Living and here we are today.
0: Awesome. What made you gravitate towards mobile homes? So uh, it's, I know you had affordable, the affordable uh, housing crisis right now. So that right. was one aspect, but what was what was another thing?
1: Yeah, for one, you know they have a negative perception, which I'm sure pretty much anyone listening, if you've been from the United States, you know, mobile home parks, trailer trash. There is that, that stigma that's there. I thought it would be a really interesting idea to try to change that. If you could actually bring over time uh, a new perception to something that is, is historically not as sexy. I thought that would be a great challenge to, to take upon myself and for a group. Another thing was, it was just recommended to me, actually an individual. Uh, his name is Dan Pena. He's kind of a, a volatile. Uh, I don't know who
0: Dan Pena is. Yeah.
1: Okay yeah he he's uh let's just say not exactly politically correct. I uh I I met him in Guthrie Scotland which is his castle. Uh pretty pretty crazy week. You know, I spent some considerable money uh to go do so. And I sat down with him and I said, "Hey, I have all these ideas I'm thinking about. What do you think?" And I think number 7 or 8 on my list was the mobile home park sector. And you know, first I said to him, Hey, we're going to play a little game. And he's kind of this intense, gruff guy. So when he heard me say, we're going to play a game, he looked at me like, who the heck do you think you are? You fresh faced kid. You're going to play a game with me. I said, no, look, I just, I have these different ideas. I'm thinking about, which one would you suggest? And, yeah, you know, he said, look, I, I would do the mobile home park space and I was concerned at first. Uh, but he said, no, 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 it'll go great. You know, blah, 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 blah. And I asked him some questions and two days later I decided I was going to go for it. So he spurred it on, but I also had an interest in real estate and when I started doing the, the homework into the need that it could provide, I thought that would be a really fascinating thing. So that's really what brought it all together. Interesting. Yeah, Dan Pena is an
0: interesting guy,
1: for sure. Super volatile and I think misunderstood. Uh, He's, from a sheer business perspective, is unique insofar as he's teaching a, a buying revenue as opposed to creating it model, which I don't really know anyone else out there right now who's talking about business, who has a big platform, who talks about, Acquisitions, essentially. I hear of buying real estate, but buying businesses—it's—it's a—it's a theme mm-hmm. that he's, I don't. He's hear. talking about that, yeah. That's his, you know, beyond his comments that are that are more kind of. Um, yeah, he's, he's
0: like a George Patton-esque. Yes. type of leadership style <laughs> he just like throws it in your face was like well, don't be a piece of crap like actually do the work you know things like that and you know it may be harsh towards some uh to some and then also uh, help, uh helpful towards others you know it depends on on I guess who, the type of person you are but I don't know I just think it's in general helpful though you know he is definitely he does say a lot of uh, controversial things, for sure.
1: You know? Very gruff. He's very <laughs> gruff. And, you know, candidly, there's some people that go there to meet him to be like toughened up to get that kind of boot camp type of an experience. For me, not that I'm some special individual, but I wasn't looking for that. I was looking very simply to understand finance, which he, you know, he studied finance at UCLA. I don't think he got his, his master's in it. I think he, he dropped out just before completing all the credits to go off and, and do his own thing, which, which is all... NetNet worked out for him. But I went there to understand this buying businesses model as it relates to finance and, and MA and a uh, in transactions, essentially. So I was there for a very uh, niche understanding of, of what he knew. And, you know, I would say NetNet, it's paid off so, thus far.
0: Absolutely. Um, okay. So you, you told him about this. He, you know, then you started to show more interest in actually committing to the actions it would be, it, it would take. Um, to actually build a company. And so when did you start with those actions?
1: Started in the last month of 2018, actually started really just before Thanksgiving day of, of 2018. So what's that? November 26th, 27th, something like that, I remember distinctly because I was sending out emails to individuals who were, you know, Ivy league lawyers and, and big four accountants and all these people that were just way more, uh, educated, way more more well-educated and and sophisticated than I was, or at least so I felt at the time. I happened to be actually in Medi in Colombia. I was living out there abroad at the time, learning Spanish, crazy stories that can come from that. But anyways, I I didn't have my family there. So I figured, you know what? So it's Thanksgiving. So what? I'm just going to blast out a thousand emails to individuals and see who hits. And funny enough, I never got better responses than I did on Thanksgiving day. Who would have thought that you would actually have a really receptive audience on Thanksgiving day. I always had this picture of, you know, some really successful investment banker, like getting tugged on by his, his nephew or his niece or whoever. And, and then my email comes in on LinkedIn and he looks at it and, oh, you know, so it was, that was really when I started, but that, that was a distinct memory I, I do have. And, and that was, that was the beginning.
0: He said "Medi in Colombia. Correct. Interesting. Pablo Escobar, I watch. I love. I love um, all the documentaries on him and stuff like that. So
1: correct, that's um, that was his hometown. Yeah, okay. I, was, I went okay. to the very neighborhood that he. Uh, if you watch Narcos, I think it's season one. They have him giving money out in the streets, uh, which I, I'm told that's what he did.
0: He was uh, a brutal guy, but he was also terrible. had a nice side, which is really weird, you know. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, he was talk about a psycho- psychology experiment. He was he was something special, uh, and I mean special like unique special. Not uh, there were terrible terrible things he did. I mean he was responsible for blowing up I believe a seven thirty seven out of the sky in the late eighties yeah. or early nineties. I mean he did some terrible terrible things or led them. He didn't do it them themselves. He I heard
0: to- I heard like he would he would have people ripped up to shreds limb by limb by hippopotamuses that he owned.
1: that's right. And those hippopotamuses <laughs> now are literally out in Colombia, in some valley. They're still there. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Uh, it's
0: insane. It's insane. Yeah. So, okay. So, so do you get any great responses? Tell me about the responses you got on Thanksgiving day.
1: Yeah. I just remember people were writing back, giving me a, giving me the time of day and considering these were cold outreach messages. It was at a percentage that I thought, this is, I felt like I was getting traction more so than I would have ever have guessed on Thanksgiving day. So then I just sent out messages probably in the next 10 or 12 hours. Cause I thought, well, Hey, if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix it. If it's working double down, I quickly yeah. thereafter moved uh, to the United States naturally because, uh, using my Verizon travel pass to reach out to these people thereafter on the phone. And, you know, there's only so much you can do over the phone. So moved to the United States shortly thereafter. And, uh, haven't been back to Columbia since. Do miss certain things of it, but certainly not looking backwards.
0: Got it. Okay. And then when did you? So, are you buy, uh, at this point? Are you developing these these mobile homes? Or are, you buy, are you buying? Are you buying?
1: We buy. Uh, yeah. We buy the the pre existing properties. I actually happened to be uh, in in the office, so there was a little office here. I had to shut all the doors so that people wouldn't come in here at the minute. Uh, our property manager was out for the day. I actually filled in for the first time in some time, uh, taking on a role that I, that I was active in a little bit for a couple of months towards the end of last year, just to get some experience, but no, we buy existing, uh, parks as you would call them or communities. Uh, some of these communities are as small as five lots. Others there, there are communities we'd love to buy someday that are 500, uh, hours is, is in the middle there. Uh, I think there's 38 total units. So, I mean, it's, it's midsize. It's, it's not massive, but, uh, yeah, you know, you have these, what it is, is it's basically just land with utilities and then these homes on them. And, uh, and it gives people an affordable place to live that uh that doesn't mean that they have to share share walls with with other you know with other tenants yeah. if you will you, if, if you've been in an apartment obviously you know you can hear your yeah. your next door neighbor flush the toilet if you will you don't you don't get <laughs> in this scenario so absolutely <laughs> work, so.
0: are you uh are you are are you working with investors or is this primarily financed
1: well i would love to to only finance it but uh well i shouldn't say would love to do that in all circumstances it has to the free cash flow has to cover, right? It has to, it has to make sense on paper, but you know, you go into a bank and say, Hey, I have this great opportunity. You know, I want you to finance it. And they'll usually say, okay, we'll go 65% of the way, maybe 70, maybe 75, maybe 80 that other what 20 to 35%, depending generally, you're going to need something. So that's generally where we'll bring on uh, investors or we'll, we'll place a seller, seller carry back second position or do some, some kind of clever finance things to, to try to get them done. But yeah, you you know, we certainly like to, to use as much leverage as we can, assuming the terms uh, pencil out that you don't get yourself. So
0: so that no money down idea is real then. Cause I I hear that all the time. No money down, no money down. I feel like I, I I just think it's like, like when people are, they're trying to sell courses or something like that, but that's actually, uh, like you can actually buy properties with no money down.
1: I think that it's phrased the wrong way you can buy properties without any of your own money down. And in some scenarios you can, if you're, for example, say you own a million dollar piece of property and I want to buy it and you really want to sell for whatever reason, you know, if I give you 70% of the money upon closing and I'm able to get you to not take that final 30% that you're going to loan me. And I say, I'm going to pay you back in 15 years. But in that first 15 years, I'm not even going to make payments. Because I, the bank's going to want to only, when you work with the bank, they want to be the only one you're making payments to, or at least they certainly prefer that. Right. You know, so there are clever ways. So, you know, for example, you could do a first position loan, 70% of the purchase price, say 700000 and you could have that final 30% where the you in the scenario, if you own the property I'm trying to buy, I say, hey, I'll pay you back on year 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, but you got to hold the bag for 15 years. I'm going to give you 70% today, but you got to hold the bag for the final, you know, <laughs> for a little bit, you know, and by a little bit, I mean, maybe 15 years. Now, of course you can do refinances and there's, there's ways you can kind of speed that up, but that would be one model. But I think the more realistic model, especially in real estate, you know, unless if you're buying like a a real turd of a property, you know, you can buy turds of properties, like single family flipping single family home flippings and stuff like that. I'm no specialist in that, you know, wholesaling properties. You can do that a little bit more easily with true, no money down, but these larger multifamily deals, I would say it's tougher to do a true, no money down. It's easier to get, another investor or plural investors to put money right. down. And then you didn't put any of your own money. That, uh, is more, is more possible in my opinion. So your first
0: purchase, how, how did you get one, the, the first investor to say yes to you? Like what, what who, was who that? And, and how did you get them to do that?
1: Sure. It was actually funny enough, not that hard. I was pitching, uh, right in my look before I was even going to go out looking for true investment. And I had this, this board, you know, I have this board that uh, I wasn't expecting them to put money in, but there were some, you know, fairly high net worth individuals on that. And I was receiving some inquiries as to, you know, from two of them in particular who said, Hey, you know, let me know if you're looking for investment, because if you bring the right deal to the table, you know, I like good deals. I like putting my money in good deals. Okay. I was actually preparing to talk to them about the investment opportunity before I went at large. I built a big old list of hundreds of investors that I was going to reach out to. And I, I was building some you know, I was emailing them first, telling them, "Hey, this is what we believe. This is what we're looking for. This is what we're trying to do. This, that, and the other." So I was, you know, I was doing the work. I was actually on a walk with a with a close family member, and I said, "Hey, you know, I got to practice my pitch here. Tell me what you think." And uh, you know, practice the pitch, and I was literally just practicing, and it was like, "Oh wow, that was really good." Like, I if I had money, I'd be interested, and I used that in in my very local network of, "Hey." And I was sincere, like, because I didn't even need to go to the board where I was just practicing with people close to me, like, Hey, tell me what you think of my pitch. And what I was offering, I offer basically, ultimately, I think a 1.7 to one equity arbitrage. So for example, if you put 10% of the, the down, you know, if you filled up 10% of the capital stack for a million dollar deal, if you put in hundred thousand, I was going to give you $170,000 worth of, of equity and, and goodies basically. So I almost created like a BOGO, like a buy one, get one free. It just seemed intuitive. Uh, by making those very initial pitches right in my immediate network, um, I very quickly got someone very close to me who said, hey, I know someone who has, you know, almost like this small family fund uh, who would, who's basically making like two or two and a half, three 3% in these, these annuities and these very kind of basic uh, investments. Mm-hmm. And it really took care of itself to the point where I then talked to my board members. And with that opportunity, they said, you know, that is interesting. Um, and then I had one other person who reached out on LinkedIn. So it actually it was kind of crazy. I got really lucky with this, but I believe fundraising equity is a lot easier than fundraising debt. Uh, if you market your deal in an upside friendly way, and you, you can really make the pitch that there's mitigated downside. And these mobile home parks are very investor friendly because uh, the revenue is just very quite consistent. Uh, we actually had something of a competition where there's like, Hey, there are multiple people that were legitimately interested. It wasn't even skulls. Uh, sp- uh, false scarcity. There's no words, and and it worked out. Uh, we got a hundred fifty thousand dollar check, uh, and I was able to leverage that uh, the distance. And then from there, we procured actually ultimately a, a seller finance a first position note of of the balance. And then I needed to find a little extra credit line and work some magic there to get basically working capital because you have to pay lawyers and you have to um, you know you have to pay people. You know, I had a good friend now. who who was reaching out for deals alongside me and he found the deal that we ultimately bought. So I had to, you know, write him a $25,000 plus check over the first 90 days after closing. So I needed some of that extra working capital on top of the one fifty. but there were really three parts. There was the initial equity investment. Uh, There ultimately was a seller finance note, which was uh, built through trust, I think with the seller over time. And then there was the, uh, the line of credit that uh, that I was able to procure. And uh, and that was able to, to push the thing through and, it was, it was really stressful. You know, I wouldn't have done this the way I did in retrospect in regards to the fact that I did not come to the table with uh, a strong financial position. I'm in a better position now, but I don't, you know, I get a lot of questions of, hey, you know, I'm broke, I have a 380 credit score, should I go do hmm. this? And you know, the, the marketers out there are saying, you can do it with no money, terrible credit, I'll teach you how. Officially it's true because you can get a financial partner, and you can bring on investors and you like, yes, you, you can get another person to guarantee the loan. If you go through a bank, you can do these things, but it's very difficult that way. And this is a very full-time job. And then some, I would say to do these types of, of transactions. And, and so you you might be working six months before you get something over the goal line, if you will. And, uh, and you may go bankrupt before you even get it over. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's one of those situations that's it's probably not reprehending. Fix your credit, really.
0: fix your credit pretty much. <laughs> yeah,
1: and get six months of, yeah, like do basic things, you know, not that it's just your credit or it's just having liquidity. It's not just one thing, but uh, basically don't be in a in a very bad spot before trying to to go on this type of an, an endeavor would be my sincerest sincerest my sincerest, suggest, sincerest suggestion uh, for folks who, who are listening for, for the aforementioned reasons.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So that, do you have, ha- did you look for when? how long before you look for your second purchase?
1: We're doing that now, you know, we, uh, we're doing that oh, now okay. and you know, I'm certainly not some made man who's some multi-billionaire guy or anything remotely close to that. I don't want to misperceive it in that way. Real estate's uh, in a funny spot right now, you know, real estate's in a place right now where, uh, it's quite expensive, in my opinion. I think it's because it's been a bull market for so damn long. Interest rates are quite low at the time of recording this on uh, February 3rd of, of 2020. Uh, so there's a lot of capital out there. And when there's a lot of capital out there, I think people are looking to put their money in hard assets and, uh, and, and by definition that, that increases the price of, uh, of real estate. And so we've uh, been actually, I would say, really a little bit more on the sidelines um, looking, you know, hungry, but, but not pulling the trigger on something that doesn't make sense.
0: Is it hard to find these properties? Like is it like is it hard to find a good find to invest in? Or is it something that there's just a plethora of properties out there that you can just purchase at any any point?
1: There are pro- I mean, you can go on loopnet or Crexy or any other, you know, type in multifamily for sale or mobile home parks for sale or, you know, office buildings for sale. And I mean, there's 20 pages on LoopNet of, of properties for sale. Now, how good of properties are these? You know that's to be debated. Uh, Finding here's the thing with real estate: the owners know the worth of their property. It's almost like if you have a a vehicle that you're looking to sell, you know what it's worth. You can go on uh, on the on the website. What is it, Kelly Blue Book, I think? And you put in the miles, and you put in you know the year, and if it's four door, and the horsepower, or whatever the engine, and, and you know pretty much what it's worth. That's largely the case with real estate. So. I would say it's a little bit less about getting a steal of a, of a purchase price. It's pretty tough to to convince an owner that your $1 million piece of property is only worth half a million and to Hmm. buy $500,000 worth of equity right away. There's some of that that happens. You know, there's some of that that happens. These wedge deals. Yeah. But it's tough to tough to fool a guy with his biggest asset or, you know, some six or seven or eight figure asset that, you know, it's worth 30% less than, than it really is. So I'd say it's more about buying a consistent asset that's really going to perform in a, in a consistent way for yourself and for your investors over a sustained period of time. And then, you know, the hard nature of these assets makes, makes you a lot stronger on, on paper for procuring subsequent finance if you're going to be entrepreneurial in other endeavors. You know, having real estate in your portfolio, I've since learned, banks feel a lot more comfortable, land or real estate. These hard, tangible assets really you know, collateralize quite nicely. So I'd say that is another... Uh, real benefit that it almost makes up for the lack of true cash flow on a high scale that, you know, real estate is, is kind of a steady plotter as opposed to if you buy a landscaping business, if you run it right, it may turn off a lot more cash flow per dollar of purchase price, but there's no hard assets there other than maybe the trucks or the, the forklift you use, or, you know, kind of these, these things. So different types of,
0: everybody should be investing in real estate. That's my opinion. Um, I I concur. I concur. Yeah. So if somebody wants to buy a commercial property, would you say that you could, would you say that you have experience in buying like multifamily apartments or, or I mean, this experience that you have now also translate to that? Um, or would you say, no, it's just, it's more niche and it's a much different experience.
1: I think the fundamental principles are largely the same. I don't consider myself a multifamily expert, so I don't want to mince words here. The, the fundamental principles I would say in some ways, actually getting a multifamily property financed through a, through a bank, through a financial institution, maybe a tad easier because uh, banks understand multifamily really pretty well. Mobile home parks are slightly less, it's like a mobile home park. Okay, you know, I've heard of it, I know of it generally, but single family homes, multifamily, like these are no no, known, known assets. So I'd say in some ways, as far as using a, a bank, it's probably a little easier to get that done the traditional way, there's a bit more seller finance on the mobile home park space. And, and uh, there are certainly parallels, but you know, it's, it's, there are, there are nuances that are different, of course.
0: So if if somebody wants to buy a a mobile home park, where do they even start? Like, so take me along your journey, like what, and say they want to get an investment. So you, you're starting from scratch essentially with the way you started, which It says a lot about you, the fact that you were able to, from scratch, get investors, get, you know, a substantial uh, initial investment into putting a down payment on a bigger, on a a bigger uh, land. Um, What, what would you say the first steps how, take me through your journey, take me through how you did this and what were the most challenging parts of your journey?
1: Sure. So the way I did it is not necessarily the way somebody else would need to do it. The way I did it was first, I I kind of I, I went with the old field of dreams, you know, play. <laughs> if you build it, they will come, right? I built this team first. And that was that was useful. Real estate experts, accounting, legal, finance. That covered my bases because I really did not, you know, I did not I studied psychology in, in college. You know, I didn't study finance or, or economics or, or something. From there, once I built this team. I then, I'm trying to think of the exact steps. I actually built relationships with accounting and law firms, which in retrospect, I really, I didn't need to do at that time. I don't think, but I did. I built uh, relationships with an accounting firm and a law firm, respectively. We're still engaged with the accounting firm. We're, we're no longer engaged with a law firm. Uh, I actually ultimately had one of the board members who was a, um, uh, Sharp lawyer. You know, I was actually just talking to him right before we jumped on this thing. He, uh, he ultimately kind of took over the legal cause he was more affordable and more hungry and, and more willing and, and quicker and, and did a lot of the things we needed for negotiating the contracts better. But you know, hindsight's 2020 at the time I thought I needed a law firm. But once I had that accounting and law firm, and again, I don't think you really need to do that right away. But once I had this real dream team built, if you will, which is largely a, a Dan Pena premise, I then pretty much juggled the warming up of the financial institutions. And when I mean warming up, I mean introducing myself and, Hey, this is who I am. And this is the team I've built. And this is our investment thesis. And this is what we're looking to do. And this is why we're investing in this asset class. And here's where we're investing and here's how we're going to operate them. And, and we're looking for these different opportunities and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How far into the capital stack would you potentially be willing to loan and under what terms and, you know, under what amortization schedules potentially, you know, If I brought you a deal like this, then what might you say? I started having those types of conversations. And simultaneously, we called thousands, probably literally thousands of mobile home parks. You know, we we had a leads list that I actually procured at a a seminar that I went to a guy named Frank Rolfe, who's something of a a polarizing character in his own right. Smart business guy. He said a couple of comments that maybe have got him a little bit of hot water that I probably wouldn't have phrased the way he did. But notwithstanding, had this big old leads list and we were all calling on him. And then I put together, and we actually my team and and uh, we together put together probably 15 meetings. I then went for probably 15 straight days, got a rental car, and drove all through Kansas, Oklahoma, Nebraska, South Dakota, and North Dakota. Uh, I think those are all the states. I mean, these these kind of great plain states, which I had selected. I mean, it's a really unsexy area. You know, you I'm from California. You're from California. You know, I was just in Florida last week. Like, I'd rather be in Florida or California as far as you know lifestyle and things of right. that nature. But the investment opportunities in those areas were, in my opinion, superior. At least they, they certainly were in, in early 2019, you know, about a year ago uh, from, from the time of recording this. And so I met about 15 of these different owners on about a 15 day, maybe a 10 day period. Uh, probably put 15 or 20,000, I don't even know how many miles on, on this rental car. Maybe that's too much. Uh, a lot of miles. I mean, Nebraska, South Dakota, Kansas—these are big states. You're, boom, boom, and there's yeah. no airports. You know, people always ask, "Why didn't you fly?" It's like you know, if you saw where I was going, I was going to these, you know, fifty thousand people towns and 40,000, and 80, 000, 40, 000, and, 000, and Sioux Falls, and and uh, you know, these random cities and towns, and met with all these different owners. Uh, the serious ones gave me their financials and all of the key, you know, their rent rolls and and all their key uh, documentation showing basically that the nature of their of their asset that they, that they were looking to sell. I, I along with my team, we analyzed these different financials and and analyzed these different opportunities. And there was one in particular happens to be the the, the place I'm I'm in right now. Uh, where actually the desk was on the other side of this, this, uh, scenario. And I was doing a zoom call, just like we're doing here with the owner. And we went back and forth a couple of times. He brought his broker on his broker, put together a three-way zoom call. And, uh, you know, he asked me some questions of how, hey, how are you going to get this thing financed? And I said, look, for the right deal, we can raise infinite amount of capital, which I believe, although something of a very bullish statement, I believe to largely be true. The right deal, you know, if you give me a good enough deal, I can raise any amount of money for it. But, yeah. you know, in, in the long and the short of it is, we negotiated and that took two, three weeks of feeling it out and due diligence and negotiation. And then we finally agreed on a purchase price. And then there was this mad dash to get finance that took months. Uh, Plural, probably two months, the equity came faster. The equity was the easier piece because, uh, you know, Hey, if I'm able to procure debt that looks like this for this investment and I give you a a consistent 8% uh, return, are you interested in, you know, with an equity arbitrage of about 1.7 to one so that when we sell it someday and if there's extra upside, you're going to get extra upside, um, you know, it was very basic, you know, I didn't structure this thing very complicated. I know more about that kind of stuff now than I did then. It was kind of a real backdoor. It was almost like I was negotiating on napkins was a lot of this whole process, but that's kind of the mobile home park space. There's a, you know, it's kind of napkin done deals. And that's kind of how this thing all came together ultimately uh, with the seller finance note, for example, and, and things of that nature. But after months of, of talking to banks and getting rejected by most of those banks and one of the banks was keen and then the bank got audited and then I had to go from scratch and had another bank interested and they wanted to do a three-year balloon, which means basically you have 36 months and you're supposed to come up with the money in full. So you have to either refinance or sell. And I was like, that's real dodgy, but maybe do I really want it that bad? And then right around that time, the seller was really saying, you know, I like you. I, you know, there's tax benefits to do in seller finance as well. If I pay you a million dollars and that's, you know, 750,000 of that's capital gains. You may pay 200,000 to uncle Sam, you know? So I think he was talking to a CPA saying, wow, if I take this big lump sum, I'm not keeping all of it. And around that time, you know, he said, well, you know what? Under X, Y, and Z condition, I'll do, I'll do seller finance. We negotiated that. And uh, ultimately then closed. Uh, I think on the 9th of August was the date. It was either the 8th or the 9th of, uh, of, nice. of late 2019. Nice. How'd that feel?
0: How'd that feel when you finally got the deal put together and you, you bought the, uh, the mobile home park? Like what, what, what was your reaction?
1: You know, it's funny. Like my family teases me, you know, it's like, you, you, you own a mobile home park. It's like, it's such an unsexy, like thing to be like, yeah, you know, you're going to go to the bar and be like, Hey there, you know, my name's Jason <laughs> and I own a mobile <laughs> home park. It's like, yeah, that'll <laughs> do the trick buddy. Right. So it's kind of a funny question and it's not, but it was never meant to be like a, a sexy thing. It was never meant to be anything more than one. It would be a challenge. I knew. And then two, I thought it was, a, it was a good investment. So it did feel pretty, pretty, pretty satisfying, though it was immediately business mode. You know, I remember uh, being immediately like, okay, now I have to run this thing and make sure this works. You know? So th- it wasn't like there was just this infinite you know, like cheering moment. It's like, okay, I'm one 100th of the way to my goal. And hey, by the way, now I need to make sure this thing actually works. So it was good. You know, I remember the, the song I was listening to on the way over to, to closing. And I remember the donuts I bought for the, the broker whose birthday was that day. And we had a donut and we went and got a beer and that was nice. And then it was like, all right, let's, let's keep moving. Let's make sure this thing runs. And then let's try to set up another acquisition.
0: Interesting. So what I'm hearing from you is that you worked really hard to make this happen. You went from state to state right. or city to city, <laughs> to state, uh, just to find the right mobile home park you had to, you had to put a board to, together, you had to find investors, um, the, the, board were, they, they were your investors, right? They
1: no, were, actually, ultimately so I hard didn't hard. even, I didn't even need to go, uh, my immediate network, uh, our $150,000 check came from, from very close to my sphere of influence. Cause it just, I didn't have to go there the way I pitched it. I had other, there was a guy, I won't say his name, but it was I'll never Forget when I got the LinkedIn message, this guy, I think he was out of Georgia. And he said, I have $250,000 and I've been seeing what you're up to. And I would like to invest a few. And, uh, my jaw like dropped. I was like, Oh my God, like this is, this could be the best thing ever. And simultaneously (laughs) a couple of the board members that I had, two in particular had said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm keen. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, all these things are potentially happening. And so then I'm going around my local kind of network before I was going to go to these people that I like my immediate network. And I'm saying, Hey, you know, this is my pitch. And, and, uh, and then there was interest there. And it was like, wow, this is the equity. I don't know. Uh, I guess it was just grateful. And, Uh, The mobile home park says, you know, it's nice because there are certain investment principles that make mobile home park investments quite attractive. You can't build mobile home parks for one. It's almost impossible to get the permitting that you can, if you go into the middle of nowhere, you can build a mobile home park, but you try to go to any kind of a, a, any municipality. It's really hard hard. to get government permitting to build a mobile home park. It's almost impossible. And there's really no more affordable place to live. So you know, everyone needs a place to live, especially if you're in a place like Nebraska, where it can get negative in the wintertime, you'll die of exposure, right? So you, you have to live indoors. You can't build more of these, these, uh, these assets. And if you go to a place where there's, there's less real estate inventory than there is, uh, people it's, it's, it's a very stable investment. So I think from an investment point of view, uh, it's always been easier for me to get people to say, hey, let me get you a consistent eight or 10 or blankety blank percent rate of return. And, uh, and that has, uh, for the most part, um, been at least in it, for that one, it, it, it was possible.
0: Well, it seems like you're a very ambitious person. You definitely uh, pulled off a lot. You know, you, what I find is like on your, on your way um, to being successful, I, a lot of times most entrepreneurs don't give themselves credit for where they are. When a lot of people haven't gotten to that spot or maybe they would have quit, you know, for every person that gets to one stage in business, there's 10 other people, 20 other people that have quit. That haven't even, that went, you know, I'm just going to go to my, my former career, whatever the case may be. So that says a lot. And, uh, but what are, what are your, your goals moving forward? Are you trying to buy many properties? Like, are you, do you want to hire on employees eventually? What What are your thought? What's your thought process behind that?
1: Right, and so when we bought this couple of things, I'll answer that kind of in a multi-part answer. Firstly, when we bought this place, uh, I initially ran it for three months because I figured I will learn relevant skills, even though it won't be sexy, and it sure as heck wasn't. But I will learn important aspects of operation that will help me long term as I speak to sellers, investors, banks, everybody. You know, if I understand. The, the actual at the ground level operations that will do good things for me long term in this sector. So I ran it for three months. And then we, we brought somebody on uh, who, who basically, you know, we have other vendors uh, it's more of a vendor deal. You know, there's other key vendors that we also kind of subcontract, but there's really just a guy that, that largely now uh, that runs the place on a day to day. I just so happened to be here today because he had a personal thing that he had to deal with today. And I said, Hey, I'm actually in town. No worries. I've got it. Uh, so it's been probably actually the first day in, that I've really ran this place solo in maybe a month or two, which, uh, I kind of miss It's kind of not, not miss miss, but you know, for a day it's been kind of fun. I'm actually literally, I, excuse me, if you've heard banging, there's people trying to pay It's rents, the third of rents, the first of the fifth. So we actually had a couple of people banging. You may have slightly heard that uh, I locked the door to do this, uh, this podcast, but anyways, to answer your, your more important, uh, I guess, question of, of next steps. I'm actually looking, you know, and I'm not going to say just yet, uh, there's a couple of things I need to get ironed out before I officially announce this. I will be soon, but I'm getting into another ancillary business that complements this. My real vision is to have a service based uh, set of businesses that we acquire in real estate, and for the service based business to funnel cash into real estate investments so that we can be the investors on our deals. Real estate's a really safe, solid investment, but it's, it's, a, get, it's a get rich slowly play, you know, it's yeah, a get slowly play. It's not, you're not, Oh my God, 400% cash on cash in a year. No, it's never, ever, ever, ever going to happen in real estate. Just promise it won't happen. Now you may have appreciation. You buy, you know, real estate underpriced in a hot market. You could have some considerably appreciation. You bought it at a million and you sell it for 1.75 and a year you and a half later, you said
0: a wedge, a wedge deal. Have you ever looked into wedge deals?
1: Yeah, so that's a term that I don't traditionally use. There's a slick guy, I forget his name, he's a younger guy, and he, he calls a wedge deal where you have a, a single family or a duplex that's say worth half a million and you buy it for four hundred thousand and it's Isn't almost that me,
0: like, Kevin. Me Kevin yep, yep, by the yep,
1: yep, yep, that's who it is. That's who it is. <laughs> I forgot the name. Yeah, that's yeah. What I'm right. A wedge deal. And it, it, it's a, it's an interesting idea, and I don't think it's wrong. it's uh it's certainly obviously you're always trying to buy something for less you're you're trying to buy. Uh, more value than what you, than the purchase price by definition. And of course, the seller is trying to, to do the opposite and, and therein lies the fun, right? But we're always looking for that type of a thing, but I've really decided and we've really decided as a group that we're just gonna stay in this asset class, which of course there still exists wedge deals, if you will, in the mobile home park space. I've never really heard that vernacular used in this space, but of course the, the premise exists. So we're always looking for that. Uh, but right now, a lot of the big private equity groups are coming in for the bigger, larger, economies of scale, parks that are 50 to 500 lots, especially a hundred plus. These big private equity groups are finally coming in. They never, they never touched the asset class until the last couple of years. And now they're finally really coming in. And so uh, if you go with the big boys, I mean, we offered 4.3 million, which how I would have come up with 4.3 million was <laughs> going to be the next huge challenge. But we offered 4.3 million for a place in Indiana and it got bought. I heard through the grapevine, they were asking 5.6. We offered 4.3. We thought maybe they'll take it. I heard they closed at 6.7. What? Uh, so that's kind that's of crazy. that's kind of the marketplace right now. That's part of the reason why there's another uh, endeavor that I'm
0: everybody's with. willing to buy above market price, pretty much.
1: Largely, right now, uh, it's
0: very competitive. Yeah,
1: it's very wow. competitive. the The revenues are very stable. the The cash flow is very stable. It's a hard asset. I think people have made a lot of money in the stock market right now. They're thinking to themselves, "I don't know who's going to be our president." You know, I don't know. Uh, if this virus, you know, in China is going to come over, I, I, there's, there's uncertainty. <laughs> the coronavirus, yeah. right? So, you know, let me just buy a stable. Let me buy a stable asset that that I know. Uh, if I get it insured, literally is basically indestructible. You know, and so I think that's what people are doing a lot right now. And for that reason, we're uh, not really looking to enter into a bidding war. You know, for assets. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, get rich slowly is not what what the marketers on on YouTube talk about. Uh, all that yeah. often yeah, yeah. I get rich slowly. Uh, it's not very sexy, like you said. You know, nobody really wants to be rich in 15 years, as opposed to like mañana, oh, tomorrow, I, I, six today. months. Yeah, tomorrow, today. Which I don't even understand how people fall for that stuff because it it takes a lot of work to to make money. Um, tons, tons. It, take, it takes a lot, a lot of effort, a lot of work. Uh, to do something like what you're doing, uh, just like what, like what I'm doing, yeah. you know? So it's like, it's, it's, it, I, I don't know. I think, I feel like most people that get tricked by that stuff are people that don't haven't really run businesses. They're, right. they, they, may, they maybe have a career and they're like, maybe I should start my own business one day. And then somebody comes along and is like, Hey, I know you want to start a business. Eventually it's easy. And <laughs> you, in 10 days you can make blah, blah. And they're like, Oh, maybe I didn't think about it the right way or something. I don't know. I don't know how these, how people fall for this stuff, but
1: like, it's a tough deal. Right. And I I've seen that take place and I know you have too, obviously, and you know, I'm, I'm all for making money. I'm all for, uh, you know, full disclaimer. I finally, after I built a YouTube channel, which is where I built, I have a small audience, but that's, I documented this process and um, you know, people were reaching out, asking the same questions repeatedly. I finally built a course and I'll be very blunt. It's not cheap. Uh, but I, what's your, what's your course price? Uh, $2, $2,222, not, a, not cheap. Uh, and yeah, big deal. well, I've I mean, the
0: course for 5,000.
1: I, I remember when I was being suggested to, to put that price at, there was a little part of me that's like, damn, I'm really going to do this. But you know, I wanted to create a moat and I actually pushed most people away. I really don't recommend, first of all, I try to put out everything I can for free. There's certain things, people were asking for the scripts I use, the legal docs I use, the templates and the, the PowerPoints and the decks. And it's like, I'm not sharing that stuff with the internet. Everything else I'll share, but the, the actual, uh, you know, because people like to take scripts and they think that's the only thing they need. And then they, they manipulate it and, and copy things word for word. And I never wanted to be the person that perpetuated um, these kind of scripts that turn scammy and, and slimy. Uh, throughout the, the inner waves of the internet, if you will. So that thing, that's uncomfortable to me. But at the end of the day, of course you can't do something like this overnight. I will say that if in retrospect, if I was trying to get rich more quickly, not quickly, but more quickly, I might've for, for cash, you know, not hard asset, but cash, I would buy revenue in a business that traded at two to four times earnings versus real estate that trades at between seven to 25 times earnings, you know? Cap rates is something that in real estate, an eight cap, a 12 cap, a 15 cap. Well, that's basically the purchase price or the NOI divided by the the income divided by the purchase price, if I'm not mistaken. Um, You know, when you do it, you realize, okay, you're buying this at six times earnings, eight times earnings, 10 times earnings, 20 times earnings, earnings being the the money that quote unquote hits your pockets before you get taxed at the end of the year. If I'm not mistaken, you know, consult with your CPA for certainty. I'm no Hmm. CPA, but but right where you can buy a, a landscaping business for two times earnings, well, if you can run it right and it's an operational headache compared to real estate, but if you can run it right, then yes, per purchase price dollar, you will make more money faster, uh, but it's still not going to be overnight and it still takes a ton of work and it's, there's still no guarantees and there's risk and there's, there's sleepless nights or there's, you know, there's all those other things. So it's, it's, uh, it's certainly not easy.
0: Got it. Um, okay, so, so somebody wants to get a hold of you. How would they get a hold of you regarding your courses, or just being an investor? We have qu- we have quite a few investors on our uh, listening to this podcast potentially. So oh. if you want to talk to them, or if you want to talk to people that want to um, buy your course,
1: you know, I don't like to have. Uh, I'm not a direct salesperson. insofar as I don't believe someone should listen to this and say, "Okay, I want to give this guy money or I want to buy his course." I, I sincerely don't sure. don't roll that way. Uh, sure. There, there's a process to it. You know, I will plug websites, uh, brighterlivingproperties.com and jasonpaulrogers.com though for there's two audiences, I guess I cater to. Firstly, I actually catered to the people who wanted to buy revenue generating established businesses slash real estate. Cause I built a YouTube channel. So I would really go to my YouTube channel, which you just type my name, Jason Paul Rogers in it or Jason Rogers, and it'll show up, go through that. I mean, there's so much free stuff. I tell most people you, you shouldn't buy my stuff unless you've binged all my free stuff. And then you say, I like this dude. I want to, I want to get even more, but I say binge the free stuff first. And then if you happen to be keen in investing, you can learn more at brighterlivingproperties.com.
0: Awesome.